Okay, about to open this. Excited and nervous because I don't know what to expect, really. Tropical fuckstorm? Oh, God. I don't know anything at all about this. Like, is it a movie soundtrack or some death metal thing? I don't know, but I'm excited. Welcome to Crossfade, the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. I'm your host, Matt Helgeson. Jason Daphnis in the house. Hey, Jason. Hey, Matt. Uh, how are you feeling these days? I am feeling good. It's summertime. Mm-hmm. Fully min-maxinated. I'm vax. Oh, min-maxinated. I'm, I'm, we yeah. both tried it, yeah. Yeah, there you go. But I'm feeling good, and I'm feeling even better that we have an awesome guest for this week's episode. Lizzie Killian, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Uh, if you're not familiar with Lizzie, she's done a lot of different things in both, uh, you know, video games. Uh, she was a journalist. Uh, she's been a, a consultant PR for uh, Humble Bundle, Zynga, and currently is uh, founded um, 50cc PR, um, which I know you've also hired another friend of the show who was on a previous episode. Jeff Cork is working with you right now. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, gave me a cheat sheet on how to approach Crossfade. <laughs> okay. That's good. So basically everybody, it's kind of part of like the benefits package. You At 50cc, you go on the show <laughs> along with healthcare and, and dental. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like if you go to the gym like twice a month, you get to... Yeah, I, I am, I guess, now with Jeff on board, a, a Minnesota taxpayer. You are, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for contributing. You're welcome. We need it. We need it around here. Um, and uh, so in addition to everything that she's uh, done in um, video games, uh, Lizzie's also been in, in a few bands over the years. Uh, one, The Glowing Stars, which is sort of an 8-bit chiptune kind of punk thing, which was cool. Uh, more recently, Teens in Trouble, which I watched a video for uh, the song Santa Monica. Oh, thank um, you. We, that was, uh, one hit wonder there. That's the only song we have, I think. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the only official song. That was like a, a project I had when I was laid off from Zynga and, you know, decided, well, I guess I'll play music for a little bit before I get back into working. So that was the product of that. It was great. I mean, the video was really well done. It looked really like, I mean... Like a real video, <laughs> so, yeah. you know. I mean, <laughs> thank you. Uh, not just have, something like your friends did with an iPhone. I have filmmaker friends, so th- it was something that my friends did. But they are talented, and that's what they just do for a living. So, yeah. And um, are you doing anything uh, with music these days? Yeah, kind of. I guess um, you know, with the pandemic and everything, it's been pretty hard. Um, I so I just moved to North Carolina. Um, I guess in twenty. 20- mid 2019. Uh, And when I moved here, um, like the first thing I did was look for a new band and found a cool group of people where uh, we started a post punk band called Blab School. And uh, we played three shows and then the pandemic happened. (laughs) um, That that's been on hold for for, uh, the past year and a half. But we did, you know, now that we're also all vaccinated we um just had our first band practice in a while uh last week nice it's good yeah. to get must felt good yeah and then i'm i'm trying to do more teens in trouble stuff um just because i you know during the pandemic i've been in a few songwriting workshops so it's like i really wanted to do more of that and not just make it <laughs> santa monica oh that's great well yeah it'll feel good i know my band was just talking about our first practice here soon so it feels mm, nice. like 
good good to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get to to your pick. Um, this one, Jason. I feel like this was like people were super excited on Twitter for this one. I feel like the yeah the, yeah the, the response yeah, uh, yeah for I'm sure afraid yeah I feel like I, I shot myself in the foot with this one where it's like uh, everyone has an opinion on this album. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I mean you know I think it's just it is an album that I think. Uh, you know, meant a lot to a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. especially at certain times in their life. The album we're talking about is Weezer's second album, now sort of lauded as a classic. At the time, actually kind of a flop. Um, but now uh, Pinkerton, I'm sure you're familiar with that. I think it's kind of now, weirdly, because I think at the time, you know, it was definitely seen as a, as a failure. But, you know, over time, it's kind of grown into the thing that sort of made Weezer. The fact that they probably still have a career today is, is um, attributed to Pinkerton, I would imagine. Um, so tell us a little bit about your relationship to this album, you know, and, and why you why you picked it. Well, it's probably um, I'd have to say one of my probably in my top three favorite albums of all time. I was trying to when you know you asked me to be a guest on the show, I was trying to get maybe too clever with albums that I was going to pick because I've been listening to a lot of different stuff, um, but. There's just so much I have to say about this album. It's um, uh, It was introduced to me during a very formative time in my life. Uh, I was uh, in high school and um, when my, I was also in a, a punk band in high school and one of my bandmates uh, let me borrow the CD and when I listened to it, it just like, it was like nothing I've ever heard before at the time. I mean, I was listening to <laughs> Blink-182 and uh, and Green Day. And um, even though, you know, we- Weezer does make some reference to Green Day in this yeah. album, it was just like <laughs> totally different to me. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I definitely remember somebody suggesting it to me. And, I, you know, I was sort of like a mild fan of Buddy Holly and, and Sweater and, you know, mm-hmm. some of those songs. But I just sort of saw them as sort of like, I don't know. I don't want to say corny, but they just seemed like a, you know, kind of a fun little pop band and that kind of was maybe in a come and go. Uh, and then somebody like, you know, they introduced me to this and I sort of just stopped paying attention. It's probably even like maybe a couple of years after it actually came out. And I was like, I got really into it. I mean, I was, I was like kind of blown away by it at the time. Um, yeah. And I think it was actually like really or pretty late to the party when I was in high school listening to this. It was, uh, 2002 or 2003. So this had already been out a few years and. I think the first Weezer album I actually listened to before that was Green Album. So maybe I'm not even like, <laughs> I'm not an OG Weezer fan, I guess. But um, yeah, it was Pinkerton that stuck with me. Yeah. But I mean, I think that that wasn't uncommon, though. I mean, I, to my memory, which, you know, I probably have a little better memory of that. It, it kind of like El Scorcho, the video I remember was out in Good Life, had mm-hmm. a video. But then it was, you know, like. I felt like it was just one of the things like six months and it kind of disappeared. And then, you know, then a few years later, I think in the early 2000s, I don't know if it was sort of like a lot of those um, like emo bands or, yeah. or bands that kind of were influenced by this. It kind of became this cult classic. And then it sort of started like popping up on lists of the best albums of the 90s or the best albums of all time. And then eventually it kind of became this like cult thing, which is was sort of interesting. I actually read some, I was I was doing a little bit uh, of research on this and it was kind of interesting to hear uh Right after, like, Rivers kind of really disowned this record. Yeah. Um, he said it was, like, I have a quote here. It's a hideous record. It was a hugely painful mistake that happened in front of hundreds of thousands of people and continues to happen on a grander and grander scale, and it won't go away. 
it's like, getting, it's like getting really drunk at a party and spilling your guts in front of everyone and feeling incredibly great and cathartic about it than waking up the next morning and realizing what a complete fool you made of yourself. So, <laughs> which is crazy. And I mean, I, I read quotes later, you know, they've done like a tour where they did Pinkerton. I think he's sort of come to like, yeah, I went to, I went to it. that show. It was the best show I went to. I bet it was crazy. I'm mm-hmm. sure the crowd was just insane for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's kind of interesting how I, I like albums that sort of over time develop this following. Um, so well, let's, let's, while we hear it, let's hear a uh, tired of sex. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. It's the mm-hmm. first song. And I think it was at the time, you know, it definitely comes out a little bit heavier and a little bit noisier, I think, than probably what people were expecting for Weezer at the time and kind of sets a cool tone for the record. I really like the synthesizers on the song. Yeah. I mean, just the opening alone, like, for a young, impressionable Lizzie, I was like, whoa, this is so cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, we should call out, like, that Matt Sharp, who actually left the band after Mm -hmm. this record, he had a group called The Rentals. Yep, I remember Um, The Rentals. And they were cool. They were a little more synthesizer. So I think some of these type of sounds were probably more his influence on the band, which is maybe something that they like lost a little bit of the kind of weirdness when he mm-hmm. left. Um, but the Rentals album is really good. Oh, this part I love where he yeah, just like here we go. yells. So yeah, this feels pretty raw compared to like Buddy Holly or something, if that's mm-hmm. what people were expecting. And I did a little bit of reading before we got on here, but I guess they were going for more of a live sound. So they just recorded everything on an eight track. Huh? Like open room recording all the tracks at once? Maybe. With, I read it I on mean, Wikipedia, with, so don't quote me on it. <laughs> I mean, with, with, I've recorded on 8-track, and like you pretty much have to. You know what I mean? That's like, crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's not that many tracks, because you have to come back and do the vocals later, so that's that's mm-hmm. the fifth track, and then you know you have three to bounce the drums to and any overdubs. So it's you got to be pretty you know conscious of that. Yeah. But yeah, this is just a great song. Guitar solo. Oh my God. Yeah, that's what I like about this album. And just, uh, I I guess a lot of Weezer songs in general is that the guitar solo is almost its own lyric because it's so emotive. I feel like he's expressing a lot of emotion just through his guitar solo. Yeah, and I like that their guitar solos, like, they feel like really, like, written guitar solos. Like, he's mm-hmm. not just, like, getting up there and kind of improvising. It's it, They usually have a pretty strong melody line to them, you mm-hmm. know, um, which which is good. Um, the the halftime thing, breakdown is, is something y- to hear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. A lot of breakdowns in this record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that was interesting when I was looking up the rentals is that I had totally forgot this kind of a fun fact, but Maya Rudolph was in the rentals. Oh, yeah, I remember. Um, <laughs> like, she played keyboards and sang in, like, this Weezer side project way before she was famous for, like, comedy. Yeah, that's so that's cool. Kind of interesting. All right. Well, um, you know, 
it's a it's a pretty sh- short record. So I mean, I feel like we can get to a lot of this. Um, you know, yeah, I know. Any, I was like, any, wow, any, that, uh, that was basically the whole song. So. <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, I had, um, uh, yeah, the the beginning of the song I had noted as a timestamp just because, um. You know, like I mentioned, it wasn't like anything I heard before. And I think like with just starting with that feedback, um, I remember I was listening to it at home when I, and I was, you know, living with my parents and my dad thought something was wrong with the record because there was so much feedback on it. Um, but it also, I don't know, every, I don't know if this is because of Pinkerton, but every time I play a show now, it's like I always love just having the feedback ring a little bit. Oh yeah, that's great. It's classic. Um, I want let's one that I really like. Um, skipping ahead a little bit, but I uh, why bother? Um, is one that just to me just has a lot of things. I think Weezer's great at you know, and even today, you know, they they're really just good at hooks and these kind of like new wavy kind of like power pop kind of songs. And I, I think this is just a great example of like maybe what. Rivers Como is like one of his strengths as a songwriter. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really like this song a lot. Yeah, the guitar sound overall is just really raw in this record. I love it. Mm-hmm. For like a major label record. And they just have a really solid rhythm section. I mean, I think that's what really carries through a lot of these songs too. It's just like every song you listen to, you just want to like rock out. <laughs> Yeah, no, Pat Wilson's a great drummer. Mm-hmm. Like, he's simple. He doesn't really try to be showy, but he's just a very good, like, you know, rock drummer. Yeah, very solid. Yeah, that's what I like a lot, too, about this record is, like, a lot of the falsettos they hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and good harmony singing. Mm-hmm. But and he's I, just got such a knack for hooks. Like, yeah. every, I notice every song, like, the chorus is catchy, like, on every single song in this record. Yeah. Another great solo. <laughs> Um, Lizzie, I want to make sure we get to some of your uh, kind of faves off this. Uh, what's a what's a song that you'd like to hear um, right now? Yeah, um, well, I'd have to say my favorite song on the whole album is "The Good Life," um, which is something that came to me a little later on. Like I think when I first listened to this album, I just you know I loved "All Scorcho." That was an awesome song, and then. As I got older, I was like, no, actually, I like The Good Life. Like, that's my favorite song. Um, yeah, we, we can go ahead and check that yeah, song out. Yeah. From the top? Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's like, here, it's like they're setting it up. Like, you know you're going to have a good time with this song. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Just kind of a classic, almost like 50s mm-hmm. rock and roll kind of thing. I also really like the music video for this song. I haven't seen it. It's it, yeah. It, it's um, it just follows uh, this like pizza delivery woman who's like not, you know, she's not having a. Uh, this is not like the, the life that she chose, and she's just uh. delivering pizzas. And I guess you know it, it lines up with the lyrics of like, uh, 
you know, you want to go back to the good life. I was reading that they sort of, um, the record company kind of really impressed upon them to do that video because um, I guess El Scorcho hadn't done very well. And mm-hmm. and I think the record company thought this was probably a more like just pop friendly song, which I agree. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I think if this would have been the first single instead of El Scorcho, it might have done uh, a little better, yeah. you know, because from somebody, say you're a fan that's wanting like more of a, a Buddy Holly kind of thing, like this, this yeah. chorus definitely is closer to that. I think, but I love El Scorcho. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> yeah, I just like these little things in a song where it's like, it's it's just a straight rock song. And mm-hmm. um, I also like, the thing that I like about Weezer too is like how they change up the different sections too. So like after this second chorus, you know, they, they sort of like go wild and, and like Pat's just rocking on the drums and then they slow everything down at the breakdown. Um, that's at about uh, two minutes and 24 seconds in. Yeah, you would not anticipate you would get here in this mm-hmm. solo from the beginning of the song. The beginning of the song is so spare mm-hmm. and like that closed hi-hat and stuff. It's good. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then they just slow it down, and you're just like, damn, that was great. We just hit the good <laughs> life, and now we're back again. <laughs> wow, I didn't think about that. That's one thing that, looking at the lyrics, this is kind of like the anti-Pinkerton song, right? Like, the whole thing was he was bored with being, or rather disenchanted with the rock and roll lifestyle. And this song is about, like, wanting to get back on the, out on the floor, shake his booty, and make mm-hmm. sweet love all night. Like, it's a weird contrast to the whole point of the album. Is that, yeah. like, intentional? Well, I think... One of the things I read, too, was, you know, when he was writing this album and he was, um, you know, he went back to school at Harvard and then he had undergone surgery on his leg um, because he had, like, one leg that was longer than the other. Um, So I think when he was writing this song, he was, like, bedridden and he was, you know, he had to walk around with a cane and he talks about, you know, without an old man cane, I fall and hit the ground. That's at least what I've read from, like... <laughs> I, I can't remember if it was like an article or like fan theories, but that that's the story so far. I don't no, believe I mean, it. He definitely yeah. got leg leg lengthening surgery. I know mm-hmm. that's that's a fact. Yeah. And- Such a big hair metal finisher. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know they're they're big hair metal guys. I think. Yeah, I mean, like when they <laughs> no seriously <laughs> when they did um you know Maladroit and uh, even I think the big like the first song on Make Believe it's all like very uh, hair metally. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, they, they just released yeah Van Weezer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listened to it. It's kind of kind of it's not it wasn't as metal as I was hoping it was going to be. It's 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 I mean they do some kind of metal guitar solo stuff and like quote like Ozzy songs and stuff, mm. but. It wasn't quite what I was expecting, but yeah, that I think those guys all. I think he was in a band. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what it was called. He was in like a heavy metal band before Weezer when he was a kid called like Magic or something like that. Um, yeah, or I can't remember what it was, but yeah, uh, 
I did see the email. Like, I'm still on the Weezer news list. Um, and Hell I saw yeah. the, <laughs> the uh, release for Van Weezer, but I have not listened to it yet. It's, I, I don't okay. know that anybody would blame you. Yeah, no offense to Weezer or, <laughs> I, mean, been, I guess, the fandom, but... I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe this is something that we'll get to in a bit about, you know, old <laughs> Weezer versus new Weezer, but, like, I, they've been so busy these last... Even in the past year, but the last few years where they've just been churning out a lot of new songs. Yeah. It's, I can't even keep up anymore. There are so many Weezer albums. That's what I found out this week because I went on Spotify just to check some stuff out and I was like, holy, they're like running out of like colors. Yeah, <laughs> like there's like a, it's like a, the, the Teal album, they're at Teal. Mm-hmm. Like that shows you, like once you're at Teal, like yeah. you've gone through a lot of colors. Then you got to go to like Cyan. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about, one that I wanted to touch on, and uh, we touched a little bit on this before the, the show, but uh, Across the Sea, um, this is, I mean, it's a really pretty song. I think it's kind of one of the like, you know, part of the theme of sort of his infatuation, uh, I think with a sort of a Japanese pen pal. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, this is, it's a really pretty song. It, 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 it was one of those songs, uh, uh, you know, from today's perspective, it, it's been a while since I listened to Pinkerton, like quite a while. And, you know, it, it, it feels a little bit Yeah, it's definitely uh, problematic. A, not in 2021 kind of song. <laughs> no, I mean, just the reference to her, like, going to school and being yeah. 18. I mean, he says 18 for sure. Yeah. But, you know, uh, which... But, Maybe you know, it was like you, a, a, you know, a, a preemptive, like, just just so you all know, yes. 18. Let's, let's just <laughs> yeah. get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. So, but, I mean, this album is kind of like, it. it, it it's a real, like raw album you know musically somewhat but also just emotionally and i think it's kind of you know like we brought up maybe that you know he was embarrassed by certain things later i don't know if you know this was one of them but uh yeah i don't know how to feel about this song it, it, but it, we should listen to it um because i think it, it is still a very well written song mm-hmm. though uh, you know, i think that yeah some of the stuff feels yeah a little I, bit and off. i also felt like listening to it again too the song i mean just like the lyrics and the way that it's arranged, it just sounds like its own mini musical, which I believe hmm. is like, uh, I think before he, uh, or I guess before Pinkerton came out, Rivers was working on a rock opera. And some of the songs for that rock opera ended up being songs for Pinkerton. And he like totally scrapped that rock opera idea. Mm, um, that makes sense. But yeah, listening to Across the Sea again, it's like, oh, it's just like yes, a musical. <laughs> no, and no, actually you're even more right. Um, because I was doing some research on this, and, and parts of this are sort of inspired by the the musical Madame Butterfly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there's Where, even like, more of a the Pinkerton name came from. Yes, that was a character um, who was, I think, like a Western man that was kind of in love with this uh, Asian woman, and maybe wasn't the greatest guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also in, in El Scorcho, there's a little, uh, which I never, I always knew that lyric, but I never knew until like listening to Cho Cho San. Is like yeah. a song from Madame Butterfly, and I, n- I never bothered to know what that was until th- this week. Oh, okay, yeah, um, I totally forgot about that. I was like, was that? I was wondering if that was like what his girlfriend would call him, <laughs> just like loosely affiliated with like Cuomo is like Chocho San. But well, okay, that what yeah. you are saying makes more sense. Yeah, well, let's 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 listen to Across uh, the Sea. I mean, this is really Broadway right here. Mm-hmm. 
She's 18, y'all. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the line that gets me from the opening is how he, like, affects what could be seen as a stereotypical Asian accent who live in small city of Japan. Mm-hmm. That always just makes yeah, the toes yeah. curl. Like, ugh. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> a nice little fill. That is true. Japan is very good stationary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was... I had the good fortune to to visit Japan just before quarantine, just before COVID-19 really took over. And that's one of the things I set my heart on doing was going to a stationary store and and I got a little, like, earthbound planner uh, of course, I don't have my life together enough to actually use a planner, but it <laughs> looks really, really nice. Oh, gosh. I remember being so excited to use my planner for 2020 and, like, writing down all these events that are ha- uh, that were supposed to happen. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, just, oh, well. It's haunting. <laughs> yeah, but this is just, like, a... A whole weird, like, Rivers monologue of this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when we were talking before, you brought up a good point, too, is that, you know, obviously this, like, reads way different from today's mm-hmm. perspective, but, you know, it, if you go back to almost anything from God, like the 60s and 70s, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> like little girl stuff, you know, yeah. Led Zeppelin the or police. the Beatles or the Police. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so it was, you know, this was maybe towards the end of that mm-hmm. era, but you know, it wasn't an uncommon thing. Yeah, and then they, then you have like the 2020 fallout of like Burger Records, and you're like, oh, it's still happening. Yeah, that was that was that whole scene was kind of yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. Um. Well, should we hear? Let's hear El Scorcho because I just kind of brought it up, and this was the oh my gosh, yeah. The fir- this El- is the first you know single on the album. I remember seeing this video, and it's such a catchy tune, and like it's got, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. Like some of these pop culture references are like really old at this point, but it, it still <laughs> holds up. I had to look up yeah. some ECW pro wrestlers. Um, yeah, this is this is just like one of those songs. I mean, the first time I heard it, I was like, wow, this is Weezer. I love this. Is that like gurgling? Yeah, it's like somebody's gargling mouthwash. Yeah. I always wondered if that was like a kind of a double entendre because there was this like cult kind of indie band called <laughs> Half Japanese. Oh, was there? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And they were kind of, they were these two brothers, like very oddball guys that kind of did this like weird pop music thing. This chorus is so good. 
Yeah. I mean, like, it's so relatable. Like, when I was listening to this as a high schooler, and it's like, you think about your crush at the time, and you're like, hey, we're the same. <laughs> Pay attention to me. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, it's a very adolescent album, and I don't necessarily, mm-hmm. I don't mean that as like a, a, a diss of it, but, you know, it, it's, it, the feelings are very adolescent and that they're very, yeah. like, raw and they're very, almost overblown in a lot of cases I think on, on, I think he was probably doing that on purpose yeah we just he just shouted out Green Day yeah this so grunge and New Jack were extreme championship wrestler oh <laughs> wrestlers so that's like I think grunge is slamming New Jack through a table there okay, I think they yeah, were, I these guys were like what that was about Dan Riker would know um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you get Dan on the show, man? We should get Dan on the show. <laughs> Actually, that'd be kind of fun. I don't know him at all. <laughs> yeah, this part's great. Yeah. I guess show of hands does it become a ska song at that point <laughs> it's there's close. no horns there's no horns yeah but yeah, it's, flirting right. with it. it's flirting with it for sure <laughs> it's that oompa offbeat yeah oh i like this line it's like a threat like <laughs> yeah you're maybe say, you're scared to say i dare you to say that you're falling for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> And this solo too, I really love a lot. I just it made me really like solos with sour notes, where it's like going over a, a major chord progression, but it's just like a little bit off. Mm-hmm. But that's just a stupid dream that I won't realize because I can't even look in your eyes without shaking, and I ain't faking. I'll bring home the turkey if you bring home the Um, by the way, this um, the main theme of the song that goes do 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 do. Mm-hmm. You could totally mm-hmm. sing uh, Lizzo's "Truth Hurts" over it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> I tried to do a mashup of it, and then I like posted it as an Instagram story, and like uh, a few people got it. I think. El Scorcho at the t- like was too <laughs> niche for some of the people, <laughs> but but then uh, yeah, I, I want to see someone pull that off of like doing uh, a Lizzo and El Scorcho mashup. Yeah, like putting the call like, out now. We yeah. like Weezo. <laughs> yeah, and I do like a whole album called Weezo. <laughs> that's all like Weezer and Lizzo. Yeah. Do I need to fix my headphones, or did you just let the phrase "weezo" come out? Of your well, mouth? you know how they do those. No one I'm, asked you know, for that. No, I know, I know. When no, I go I'm viral, I'm, you, I'm asking everyone, for it actually. So everyone who doubted me, uh, I guarantee this is becoming a clip for social media, and I am going to put out the call for "weezo" oh, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Somebody needs yeah. to make it happen. I did it to myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? What? Uh, what's another song you want to hear? We've covered quite a few we got a few left yeah i I know it's a short album um but i guess uh you know i think falling for you is a really good song um and and part of why i picked pinkerton other than it being just like i mean one it was it's my top one of my top albums but also it you know 
it's meant a lot to me and has been sort of uh, interwoven in my life at, at multiple points. So like, um, you know, we we're talking, you're mentioning my chiptune band, the glowing stars, that line, the glowing stars actually comes from this song falling for you. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, wow. This, that- do I have a timestamp for that? My bad. I don't think I do. <laughs> it's no problem. No. I'll tell you from the top. These yeah. songs are so short too. It's yeah. like, This is a really pretty guitar part. Hmm. But yeah, that's what I like about like this song and um, El Scorcho and even elements of Across the Sea where he's just so personal about like how he's feeling. And I think the reason that this resonated with me so much as a teen, especially as an Asian teen, you know, being first born in America and, uh, you know, my parents never showed any emotion. So a lot of, a lot of emotions in our family were suppressed. So like being able to listen to somebody, like really let it all out there just so seemingly effortlessly was like, wow, like I want to do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah wow that's a great point yeah i didn't but it but it is it's a very open record i mean it almost to the point of like oversharing Cringe. at times but yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know but, but that's you know at the it's same time though i think that you're could have at, stayed in drafts no, kidding. well <laughs> but you know what though if it was a more tasteful record i don't think we'd still be talking about it today. right like yeah. even for the stuff that even like maybe you know across the sea or pink triangle or whatever like i still think that that's why it resonated with people because like teens don't really have a filter either you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think he, t- he really i think rivers is sort of maybe a perpetual adolescent in some ways he like almost like brian wilson from the beach boys you know he just kind of like taps mm-hmm. into those like teenage kind of feelings yeah no that's true yeah so funny a story about the glowing stars <laughs> um uh, our first ep called um anything past that was entirely about one person and he is a cellist <laughs> Ooh! so oh. there were uh, i was listening to a lot of pinkerton again around that time um but i was like oh my god this is like still very relatable to me for better or for worse so i mean that album was kind of a was that i mean that's sort of similar to pinkerton in a lot of ways and it was it yeah, where it was like a very sort of like open love letter. And it's kind of like shameful to think back to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where it's like, wow, I was like really just like head over heels over this person who like wouldn't, who like doesn't even know who I am. <laughs> and um, just like putting it out there was like both cathartic to like use that as a form of expression, but also. Like sometimes when I think about the songs I wrote, it's like, ooh, that was that was a time that we don't need to revisit. <laughs> well, you know, but you gotta you gotta go through there to get to here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I mean, I guess I I thought um, if we're gonna wrap this up, 
uh, I thought Butterfly. I mean, Butterfly is a really a pretty song, um, mm-hmm. and that's the end of the album. It kind of ends it on a sort of a, you know, way less aggressive tone than a lot of the record, and and you know, it, it's it's definitely very emotional and very you know nakedly, yeah. even sometimes like where the narrator seems like to be sort of a jerk, but um, it's you know it's a very it's a very pretty song, and so yeah. it kind of ends the album in an interesting way. Yesterday I went outside with my mama's mason jar Caught a lovely butterfly One thing that I think is so effective here is that after, you know, this album is pretty harsh in points and just now, like, there's no arrangement. It's just voice and guitar. I think it really mm-hmm. sticks out in a cool way. Yeah. And it's just like really impactful as is with just voice and guitar. Um, the thing that I noticed about the song too is it's a lot more poetic than the rest of the songs in the album or a lot of the songs in the album where, you know, it it's mm-hmm. very literal storytelling in the other ones. Um, I know he's, there are some parts that are a little literal here, but it's, it's a little bit more abstract, I feel like, what he's singing about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you just kind of get the sense, like, you know, I'm sure this was done in a pro studio, so it's it's an illusion, but you kind of feel like this is, like, him, how he writes songs in his, his bedroom or whatever with, a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a four-track or whatever. I guess you're as real as me Maybe I can live with that Maybe I need fantasy Got a light a candle now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Took us out the last <laughs> last yeah. last dance of a school dance. Aww. Um, <laughs> um Well, that that was awesome. It was it was really I had a, I had a really fun time. Like I said, it was a record that meant a lot to me. And at a certain point, I listened to a lot. And then you know, I just it had been a long time. I kind of lost touch with Weezer, I guess. But uh, I, I had a lot of fun and a lot of in, you know, it was interesting to to see it from today's perspective. But I still think it definitely. It holds up as a great record, and obviously, you know, I think it means a ton to a lot of people still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was really fun. I mean, like, despite being one of my top albums, I have been listening to a lot more stuff. So, being able to dive into it again and and with fresh ears, and like noticing little things that are, are new to me now, um, like I, I didn't really think about <laughs> Across the Sea as a as a musical. Until this past week, and it's like, oh, hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fun how that new meaning comes out. Uh, yeah, do you think do you think Lizzie that like not keeping up with really late era Weezer has sort of improved your perception of them in your mind, or do you take the you know general consensus into mind when thinking about how much you like them or don't? Um, I guess uh, I don't. I haven't really thought about it that way. Um, you know, after this album came out, then it was Green album, which was the one that I was actually first introduced to. Um, then they had Maladroit, and uh, I think Make Believe was after that. Um, that sounds right. Uh, and and I 
I was very, um, you know, I, I wanted to give those albums a chance. And I mean, mm -hmm. like, even though Maladroit at the time was like a shock <laughs> to Weezer fans, I think, when it first came out, like listening back to it again, it's like, this is actually a really good album on its own. Um, if you don't think about it as like, this is not a Weezer album, this is or not, this is or is not a Weezer album. Hmm. It's just like, yeah, its own thing. Um, and I feel like with uh, Make Believe, it was one of those albums that I had to like, it just kind of grew on me. I didn't like it right away. But then as I kept listening to it, um, there were things I liked about um, most of the songs. Um, but then after after uh, Make Believe, it started like now, then my knowledge of the future Weezer albums are a little bit spotty. Like I completely missed Ratitude. I completely mm. missed Hurley. Um, I listened. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, so they, they just the put the, the, the dude from freaking Lost was on. Yeah. The, I forgot, or they did that. It was just yeah. like it was just a freaking I, picture of his face. When I was um, at the, I went to the uh, Pinkerton Memories tour where they played uh, <laughs> that album all the way through, um, mm -hmm. but they were giving away Hurley for free. <laughs> wow! Yeesh. Yeesh. Wow, that's, that's that's a pretty good move, though. Honestly, yeah. if you yeah. know what it's going to be like received, that's great. So I do uh, own a Hurley album on compact disc, but I don't know where it is, and I still have not listened to it. Hey. Oh my god! You know what? Though people can say like vinyl, whatever, but like Weezer is a compact disc band. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, they, no they, one was they, buying they, they, like I know they reissued this stuff or whatever on vinyl, but like nobody was buying that shit on vinyl. I would, was, I would uh, like first... to own Pinkerton on vinyl. I don't have that yet on vinyl, but I mm. th that might be a future purchase. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to have it too, but I just it, back in the day, like I think they would print up a few albums, but hardly mm -hmm. any. Um, but yeah, Pinkerton. I guess I, for me, I was more of a Pinkerton fan probably than a Weezer fan, really. Um, yeah, hmm. but but I definitely you know I had like the. I had the green album. I had Maladroit. Um, and I think yeah. I had the first album. I, but do, I, I still do very much <clears throat> like Weezer, but that doesn't mean that I know what the new albums sound like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you would have told me they would still be a band in 2021, I would have said you were crazy. So <laughs> kudos. I mean, kudos to those guys, man. They made a career mm -hmm. out of it. They made, you know, and they're still, they have a big tour I know coming up. Yeah. I would kinda, definitely still watch them live. There's still a ton of fun live. They're doing that big alt rock kind of nostalgia tour this summer. Um, mm -hmm. with Green Day mm -hmm. and uh, was it Fallout Boy? Yeah. Wow. And, okay. Uh, well, Weezer, you're speaking yeah. my language. There you go. Yeah. I think the last Weezer show I, uh, yeah, the last Weezer show that I saw, they uh, played with the Pixies, which was super fun. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. That was, I think, a couple, maybe like 2018 or so, some somewhere around there. But yeah, that was a really good show. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, let's let's change gears here to to my pick. I'm going to tease. I have, a, I have a Weezer story. I know it's a big it's a big uh, big shift. Um, but I have a Weezer story. I'm going to tease at the end of the show and reader questions. Stick around for that. You got Aww. a Weezer teaser for us, man? I got a, we a Weezer teaser. <laughs> it's it Weezo is coming. But not, yeah, just, <laughs> a Weezo Tizo. Yeah, Weezo Tizo. <laughs> Uh, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, uh, what you guys have to think about this album. It's, uh, it's a band called Tropical Fuckstorm, uh, a laughing death in meat space, which title, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mouthful. For it sure. gets your attention. It gets your attention. Um, so this band, I, w I was a fan of, um, uh, Gareth L Lydiard and, uh, Fiona Kitchen are kind of the, I think the main songwriters and, um, there's, I think there are a couple as well, but they were in a band called the drones that I liked. And then they, 
they got uh, Lauren Hamill and Erica Dunn and formed Tropical Fuckstorm about I think 2015 or so. Um, and so the thing with this album is that I guess um, over the past four years, um, it kind of four and a half, it, it became like a, a favorite of mine. And I think, you know, partially like one thing I always heard, uh, you know, at the beginning of like the Trump era and, and things started to feel really dark and people was like, well, this will be just great. This will be great for like punk rock and like protest music and satire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really it like, it, it really wasn't, you know, I mean, I, I, just, I never felt like any of the kind of anti-Trump songs I heard really did a whole lot other than just sort of either mock him or kind of just give some sort of quasi inspirational like message or whatever. And, you know, there was just something different about Trump that I think made it hard to kind of satirize or, or protest because it was like this sort of like absurd cruelty, but also this kind of really bizarre, like humor, black humor and, and kind of just, a surreal quality about the whole thing that made it tough for like, you know, Saturday night live basically had to resort to like, you know, a, you know, a office Christmas party level Trump impersonator, (laughs) you know, um, in Alec Baldwin. And and it just felt kind of lame and really like, it wasn't even as weird as the news clips that you were seeing. Um, but Gareth, uh, I think is like a really amazing lyricist to me. And I, I think this album sort of started to capture kind of this, like, just where we were in terms of like, I think social media and, and Trump and just the sort of darkness in the world and, 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 and also sort of the sur- surreality. Is that a word of it? Um, yeah, we'll call but yeah it I just kind of got under my, <laughs> under my skin in a certain way. And I just, it kind of was a record I, I returned to a lot, um, during these, you know, these past few years. Um, that said, it's not me. It's not easy listening record. I wouldn't say, um, <laughs> and it, it's, it's certainly not like, you know, a, a poppy record. Um, so I'm curious, you know, and I could, I could honestly, like, I, I didn't, I, you know, you may not like it because it, it's certainly, I could see it being sort of divisive um, in, in well, certain ways fun. too. Yeah. So I've never heard of Tropical Fuckstorm or this album before this podcast. Um, and then when I was checking in with Jason yesterday, just to make sure I had everything, he's like, oh yeah, I hope you liked it. <laughs> I didn't answer yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> but, but no, I, I, um, I did enjoy listening to it. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about like the, the lyrical content, because I actually didn't really dive into it that much, um, upon listening to it. I was more trying to just like take in what this band was about and like yeah see how i feel about it so i i know the the lyrics uh are pretty political just from like the bits and pieces that that have come through but um I, i've been most of my notes here are on uh the the actual like music yeah i mean that's great because i mean they, they also have i mean they're very unique too i think musically um mm-hmm. you know they, they sort of have this weird kind of like it's like a rock band to me that's sort of been like mangled or something like through yeah. like electronics and, and I do stuff. have a favorite song on the album. Ooh. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we you start want, with that? Yeah, let's start with it. <laughs> okay. I feel like this is like the most different song on the whole album. So maybe you could guess Perfect. what it is. Oh, is it the instrumental? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I really like the song a lot. Um, I, I thought it was a, the thing I like overall about the band is just, um, the musical direction they take with songs. It's like something I'm not used to hearing um, where it's like they make certain choices in chord progressions or melody where like, ah, oh, you know, that's something I wouldn't have heard in like most popular American rock, right? Yeah. Um, so I, 
and then like shellfish toxin in particular, um, I think as a contrast to like the rest of the songs and album that are a little bit more dark and heavy, it was kind of like a breath of fresh air um, and just sort of like an interesting like soundtracky kind of song. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, yeah, let's start there. Jason, I think it's kind of at, at 44 seconds, it kind of gets out of the intro. Yeah, like 37 seconds I, I added. Okay, yeah. <laughs> And I just would like really like that analog kind of sound where um, it just sounds like it's recorded to tape and uh, the the instruments sound like a little bit distant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I could picture myself just like laying in the grass with like the sun on me, like with this as sort of like the background music. But there's something wrong. There's something in the horizon. It's <laughs> just a little yeah. creepy. <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Someone just like hold off in the distance holding a, a red balloon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Single like mid- tear down their cheek. <laughs> <laughs> Midsummer vibes. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that's the other thing. This sounds like a, uh just kind of like a a psychedelic trip. Yes, definitely. I kind of prefer when this album is much more upfront and straightforward <laughs> about its its like perversions yeah. and delusions. Well, <laughs> this one, so, this one weirds me out a lot. Yeah, just, so here's the, the, weird, the weird thing about you this a point. is I looked up like kind of this you know some interviews with him and stuff. And mm-hmm. so this the title is based off. You guys have heard of like MK Ultra, like, like the, uh, not Mortal Kombat. <laughs> no, M- <laughs> no. So yeah. MK MK Ultra was like the CIA program that helped develop LSD. Oh, okay. And I think originally it was supposed to be some sort of like, you know, chemical brain weapon, they thought. You know, they'd like put it into like yeah. the water oh, supply. Yeah, like the Russia. aliens are descending. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like Area 51. So, <laughs> anyway, I guess there was another project called MK Naomi that was, <laughs> they were going to inject shellfish toxins into enemies' food so they would get like ah. sick and like have like food poisoning. So, yeah, well. no, that's the, the other thing I was thinking about with this song in particular and just like the title. Um, I, I used to be allergic to shellfish as a kid and would just oh, like break out in fever and like get hives and everything. And like, I just kind of pictured the song as like, if this is what happened to you instead of breaking out in hives and a fever, like I'll, <laughs> I'll take that kind of allergy. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. No, this is really, I, lo- I love this song a yeah. lot, actually. That um, and it, theremin sound is just mm-hmm, I love so that. irresistible. Yeah, live, I saw, I went to Chicago and saw them live, and they had a lot of, like, analog, old Fiona, it kind of switches between guitar and analog mm-hmm. synth on a lot of stuff, so it was it was interesting to see them live. Um, yeah, uh, that does sound cool. I mean, like, some of the notes I took here while listening to this is like, oh, yeah, I've been to this show before. <laughs> um, but with this song in particular, one thing that I like about it, too, is that uh, 
for a song that's like over five minutes long, I don't think it ever overstays its welcome. Like they they always find a way to sort of introduce new, interesting sounds to it. Yeah. As it goes on, and even in like um, I think like four minutes and thirty seconds in, where they start introducing um, some vocals, like it's still mm-hmm. just you know you're you're like hooked. Right. We're at four twenty five right now. Cool. Yeah. totally yeah even their pretty song has a very like kind of undercurrent of just disquiet I it guess. sounds like the choirs of whoville got like yeah. got the wrong sheet music <laughs> yeah. yeah like oh oops <laughs> he's gotta change the d's to d's <laughs> all right well let's let's switch gears uh we should play something a little more that's more indicative like, yeah of indica- i mean well <laughs> the first the first song should be you let my tires down i think this is yeah. like I, I do think that's a good song though uh you let my tires down i really um so i, I have i have a ranking <laughs> shellfish toxin was one my first favorite okay. song of the song and then the second one was actually chameleon paint that one's good as well mm-hmm. that one's good as well third um, is uh this first one Okay, yeah, this is great. I mean, this kind of kicks it off, I think. And it just, you know, I, I think his sort of just observations of kind of like lower class life in like Australia, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just uh, kind of a a woman that's on the edge, I guess. Yeah. You said once, Matt, about King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard that you love music that just sounds like a wall of sound. Yeah, listening to this album, I know exactly what you mean. You know, I think they're. I think that they're on the their label. I know that they've toured together before, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. That's a good line. <laughs> well, it was uh, other than his accent, it. The CCTV line made me realize it wasn't an American band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of like weird Australian like kind of slang and references. That yeah, no, and then he actually says Australia at a minute and 59. I was like, oh, cool. I know exactly. <laughs> I know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> nice of him to geolocate himself yeah. for us. Yeah, and this is like me coming into like not doing, not reading up on the band beforehand. So I'm just Perfect. like going in without any knowledge and just trying to piece these clues together you left my ties down. yeah so here when I hear like the woman's vocals for the first time I was like oh, okay I'm like liking this a lot more I think their voices really complement each other and it just adds an interesting dynamic to the song overall Mm-hmm. Like every yeah. time she ends up singing any part in any of their songs, it's just like, uh, um, I don't know, it's like refreshing. Yeah, I think that comes to the front in Soft Power, where she gets like kind of mm-hmm. annoying and nasally with like, but she takes the center of it. I love that part. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, um, if you put the pixies through some weird filter. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, the kind of Kim Deal kind of thing for mm-hmm. sure. Also, by the way, I thought 
Australia's finest homemade Coke is the best like math <laughs> math reference I've ever heard. Yeah. Like homemade Coke is amazing. <laughs> I like the parts where he does get like really melodic with the songs too, like that section that just passed. Mm-hmm. That little fill, Matt, mm-hmm. can you imagine trying to nail that every time? <laughs> yeah. It sounds no. like he's just like letting every finger do what it wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to see him live because it was almost like a different band, you know? Just because huh. so much of the stuff on this record, this song is probably the most like traditionally recorded. Hmm. You know, like a rock band, but mm-hmm. you know, as we, I mean, we could go to like Chameleon Paint actually, which is sort of more of a well, indicative. just real quick on this song at like mm-hmm. 326 where it turns into like carny punk. Oh, yeah, let's do it. That's really good, yeah. And then that's where you also start to understand it's. It's a very theatrical kind of band. Like, this is oh. a, a thespian troupe. For sure. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I w- almost back to your point about the, the female vocals, I, I almost feel like sometimes they almost are like this kind of Greek chorus or something, like, effect, like, commenting mm-hmm. on, like, what he's saying in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, good good opening song to this uh, record. But yeah, man, live they were they were so loud. It was crazy. The the woman <laughs> yeah. that drums for them, she's one of the hardest hitting drummers I've ever seen in my life. Just oh, wow. absolutely nice. like just yeah, isn't beat it that like kid up? Is it is he the only uh, guy on mm. this? In this band? Yep. Yeah, it's. Yeah, they're all all women. Which is kind of interesting. I was thinking about that. You don't. That's not a lineup you see often. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the reverse quite often. Yeah. Of like, uh, you know, a woman singer songwriter with a well, male I, band. I, guess but I was in a band where it was like, there was like one dude and it was all go. women. Hey. It happens. <laughs> they exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you want to go in um, Chameleon Paint, Lizzie? Mm, um, let's see. I mean, uh, I guess the part that was most significant to me was about three minutes in where they just have this really ridiculous transition where it's like, that shouldn't work, but yet it does somehow. It's like they, they have this um, sort of breakdown and then it goes into the pre-chorus again, which goes into the chorus that's like, Whoa, those don't really fit together, but they made it, they pulled it off. Uh, so that's at 3.03. All right, here we go. really pretty sounding 
Yeah. yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. What is back that? In. <laughs> and like, I think it's a, a, a different key that it g- goes in, and it's just like a different tempo. So it's like there's so much change happening in one. Yeah, like, yeah. Just the next uh, measure over. And then this chorus, which is amazing. I actually really like this chorus. Um, I when I first listened to it, I was making coffee, and I was like, oh, this is rad. I'm going to like <laughs> do a, a boomerang of my, my hipster-ass Chemex <laughs> um, <laughs> and then put this song over it. And, and so that I posted that. So I, I do like nice. this song a lot. Yeah, this one's good. I think, uh, you know, this is, he does a lot of things. Like, this is sort of about like maybe media and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I really like is um, probably the most like, story kind of song is um future of history Mm -hmm. um which i think is kind of an interesting like just take on well i mean basically it's about gary kasparov um the russian chess master versus ibm's deep blue computer which was like you know the first time that like humanity lost to like ai um and so i think he's kind of he's, he's using this like um, we can just take this from the beginning, Jason. Um, but, you know, I think he's sort of taking that, like, that moment is sort of like, was that the time that, like, was that the door we can't shut? You know what I mean? Now, and, and we're sort of headed towards whatever we're headed towards, right. to, you know. Mm-hmm. He did the Billy Joel there. Yeah. Totally. I love that. That's a great Billy Joel moment. Yeah. I think now he's just like, this is just the computer specs of like, Big yeah, just Blue. the tech specs. <laughs> yeah. Prior to that, the line that was so fucking incredible is he was shock and awe with an Intel core and a thing for the extinction of the dinosaurs walking yeah. in the valley of death. How raw is that, guys? Yeah. <laughs> and he was about to lose it to a traffic line. Yeah, that's the other thing I noticed about uh, their songs, too. <laughs> As I was thinking about sort of the um, the theatricality of, like, the first song, like, how this album sort of is its own rock opera. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Where, like... And, and that's what I thought, too. I, <laughs> in the very beginning, when I, like, opened up the emails, like, what is a laughing death in weed space? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know where it's like the second to last song, uh, which I think is a title track. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it, I, I, you could almost really visualize it where he's like just, and I don't know what if this is what his live shows are like, but he's just like standing there singing alone, and like is, there's a spotlight on him, 
and like everyone else is backlit and then as the women come in to start singing then like the spotlight's on them too like i just saw this whole like uh like broadway musical i would go see that i mean yeah i would go see that and like even here with the rhythm i i just like picture people doing like this like crawl dance <laughs> at the same <laughs> yeah. time yeah. have you have you ever considered becoming like a musical theater director no kidding yeah. some like ideas like capital uh, i ideas I, i've only seen rent <laughs> so <laughs> i don't think i'm qualified listen this is Maybe. just a hop skip and a jump from rent <laughs> That's like that last line is so brutal. No one in yeah. the future plays chess or cares. <laughs> but yeah, it's. It, I mean, I would, but like, kind of back to my original thing. Like, I do appreciate that. Like, I don't feel like a lot of rock songwriters like really try to like engage with like the modern world as it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's really hard to weird. write about. Like, I mean, it's. It feels kind of hard to pull off. I mean, even now as like I'm actively writing songs, it's like what do I write about without like it, it seems weird to sing about Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, totally. It, it just seems super uncool. <laughs> um but like and then and then I think of like some songs going back to Weezer even where he like I think this was in the Red album or something, but he sings about, you know, going to the Best Buy and I was like that is not a cool line at yeah all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i know what you mean it's, it's a hard thing to pull off and i think maybe he's sort of like abstraction and kind of weird way of writing helps it um mm-hmm. not seem so on the nose um one jason i think you mentioned soft power um this one's kind of interesting is that it's really the only one where it's a little bit explicitly about trump um at the beginning i think in sort of just american power But yeah, I love the synths on this record. It's so <laughs> weird. Hey, hold your fire, man, don't shoot. Here come the Oompa Loompa with the <laughs> Right in his fly, blown drone like there ain't no one home with no particular cause except what's here now is his. Come on, like a T Rex with all the confidence. Lined us all up like the alphabet. He turned confederates into a three-syllable word there, but he says, come in like a T-Rex with all the confederates. Yeah. Again, man. so that concept of soft power is like the power of influence rather than the power of like 
direct like intervention and mm-hmm. it's an approach to international relations uh you know rather than waging war to you know impress upon another culture with your culture and sort of influence it in that way and this song is all about how like american politics and political like intervention is is just saying fuck that it's just like direct override and <laughs> an imposition of american culture yeah. on others i think it's like like matt said it's not the most subtle of tracks but it is like pointed. yeah but it's yeah. wild to me that this is like you know three four years before like january 6th you know what yeah, i mean yeah. Like, yeah this was like uh was it 2018 wait how long ago was this record 2018 uh, time is so elastic <laughs> i believe it was 2018 i think you're yeah right. oh sorry yeah. halloween 2017 so very close oh, okay they got surrounded by the hot stuff crust. They got surrounded by the hot stuff crust. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is just a lot of great one lines. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts about this track in particular, Lizzie? Um, I I felt like I really well. So I didn't know what he was singing about, but uh, I guess tonally, I really like again the. <laughs> Uh, the woman's voice introduced in the song too. I mm-hmm. felt like that sort of helps balance it out for me personally, just to like enjoy it musically. Yeah, for sure. It is setting a nice soundscape with that like chanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. They, I mean, they do a good balancing act because I think that like some of the weird stuff they do with like synths and kind of like almost electronic processing of like the drums and then you know obviously the female vocals against his like it probably for me i think it helps it from tipping over into just like this super like macho thing right you know what i mean which is close it's close to sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah that that was something i like noticed just like listening to the entire record where it's like i really like when they introduce uh the women's vocals um I just feel like it's a nice sort of, um, I don't know, yeah, it's just going back to, I guess, the balance of, like, what you hear sort of more aggressively with uh, the instruments and his voice, and then, you know, matching that with the women's vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I read uh, an interview on this part, like, when we get to, like, the Scarecrow part. Um, but apparently this is like his sort of goodbye to like the age of like American empire. Like, so he sees the scarecrow as America, you know, and like just, I guess he was just thinking about like what happens when America is not the world power anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I should correct myself. This track itself released on October 31st, 2017. The album was actually May 2018. So we are uh, just oh, beyond its oh, third right. birthday. Because they, they released a bunch of singles first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I did read about that. Yeah, they have a lot of... <laughs> they do, they're one of those bands that does a lot of like non-album tracks, like B-sides and stuff. Well, it's weird, right? Because, I mean... And this is something that I've just known from um, working with bands and different artists lately so in addition to video game pr we've been doing more sort of music pr as well especially during the pandemic because it's been hard for everybody and you know 
there there aren't any shows so people are putting out music so i've been just sort of helping friends with like navigating that sort of space and putting music out and making sure that it gets heard so like um one of the bands uh or one of the labels that i work it with is asian man records um and they have oh, yeah. a bunch of uh new bands they've signed and just like helping them get their music out there but um it's been interesting to see the process of like putting out singles first and and even working with some artists that don't put any albums out at all because in a way it kind of like it's more beneficial to the artist to just put out singles because people mm-hmm. just listen to one song <laughs> uh, on on Spotify or like on Bandcamp and um you know putting them out one song at a time sort of uh increases the chances of the songs getting listened to or like getting enough plays. But then when you put it like all out there, you only have like one chance to promote it. Right. So, uh, I I wonder what that means for like putting out albums like this or even, Mm -hmm. you know, albums like Pinkerton where, (laughs) you know, you don't, I don't really, I mean, people are still putting out albums of course, but, um, I, I guess they have to think about it a little differently now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in, in a weird way, it's almost like a return to like the '50s too, you know, or like the early '60s when it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's what that's what people did, like you know, like I mean, there are El- there are like Elvis records, but like '45s are where it was at, you know, what yeah, I mean? that's what everyone bought. Um, and uh, oh, also just as a aside on Spotify, one of their singles, uh, amazingly, they do a cover of uh, "Staying Alive" by the Beach or the Bee Gees, which is <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, like all right. pretty awesome and like the last thing I expected, but it was cool. Oh, wow. Okay, um, I gotta they, listen they, to that. They definitely do it in their own like kind of style. Um, is there anything else that you had notes on? Let's, uh... Let's see. Um, yeah, I guess it was just what I talked about. I, I actually think, or I felt like it, the album could have ended with a laughing death in meat space. I I felt like Rubber Bullet, was it Rubber Bullets? It was Rubber kind of- Bullies. Rubber Bullies was kind of an anticlimactic ending to the album. Okay. And then I ended my notes with albums are weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear Laughing Death and Meat Space. I kind of know. I, I understand. I mean, I, I like Rubber Bullies, but I, I do wonder about the sequencing of it. Mm-hmm. If it could have been sequenced, like, yeah. prior um I felt like after this song, this felt like a good ending to it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it kind of maybe wraps up some of the themes as well. But it's not my story to tell, so. This is where the spotlight's on him. <laughs> I can see that. It's creepy, but I can see it. <laughs> I remember when being at home. And they got the spotlight on like the guitarist now that he's like playing his thing. And now there's hardly anybody left. And now there's hardly anybody left. And then I I like this chorus a lot. It's kind of yeah. sad. And and yeah, it's really, kind of a, a, a downcast mood, you know, after such mm-hmm. a like, sort of angry album. Mm-hmm. Weirdly hooky, though. 
like that's a good hook that he's making this chorus mm-hmm. out of And it's interesting to have this song also come after um, Shellfish Toxin, where, I don't know, that felt like a weird interlude to like, now we're closing the show. <laughs> yeah. So do you have an ex... I mean, I... I could have read about this but um do you have any insight to a laughing death in meat space as a concept or title yeah so (laughs) well i mean you know he he talks about i actually i read a bunch of interviews i actually not really until this week really delved into any of that stuff i just sort of like listening to the words um Mm -hmm. but then i kind of thought for the purposes of the show i should like do some research so Eh. meat space well yeah (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, meat space obviously is just you know like the Silicon Valley slang for real life, um, and that was one of his big things about mm-hmm. you know the album was just sort of like people becoming sort of like increasingly like isolated and atomized online. And so, a laughing death actually was um, a disease called Kuru K U R U that um, affected some of the indigenous populations of Papua New Guinea. And apparently it was like sort of a neuro- neurological disease that would sort of like a wasting disease. And towards the end, people would, they would uncontrollably laugh. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. <It's> dark. <laughs> I feel like this guy, I feel like he gets into some really bad internet holes and like mm-hmm. gets himself into some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's always been the hardest thing. For me, I feel like, um, especially getting back into music where, you know, and, and because my job is largely in front of a computer <laughs> and on the internet, um, just finding a way to like really make that separation from, because you could go down so many holes <laughs> yeah, and feel really bad about a lot of things. Um, and I guess trying to like create your own space where you can write music and not feel i guess um i guess sort of paralyzed from like what's going on around you yeah no it's been like, a hard thing i thought about that my friend uh in the band and he actually got himself an old reel-to-reel tape recorder mm-hmm. and like sometimes i just think it would be so nice not even because i don't like digital recording it's just like just to not be interacting with a computer yeah you know because like sometimes i don't record i think because like you know like, I'm, I'm like you i work from home and you know i'm eight hours on a computer and then it's like eat dinner and do you really want to like boot it back up again even <laughs> though you're doing something different you know yeah yeah I actually um I got like an iPad recently where it's just uh you know voice memos and garage band and dropbox so I just sort go. of use that for recording because if I tried doing if I, even if I record like small ideas on my phone it's really easy to get distracted like well i have a a notification let me just check it real quick and then like go down link after link and you're like oh god like 40 minutes have already passed yeah yes yeah for sure (laughs) and i wrote zero songs yeah yeah i I know the feeling for sure i went on like a message board and looked at like plug-in reviews (laughs) and never recorded anything um (laughs) well i mean i think you're right i think that that's probably like feels like the culmination of the album um 
so yeah I, so overall i'm just curious like did you like it or are you sort of like so so on it or i mean i i, I would i could totally see a, a wide range of responses <laughs> it, to this record generally it's not really my thing i mean there are elements of it that i like and you know i, I did at least come away with songs that i, I really liked um it, it did make me curious about their other stuff and and even the drones so like i i did listen to a little bit of the drones after listening to this album and i was like oh, okay i could see how like they started with that and then like went into this more experimental sort of um art band right yeah um but i really like uh i don't know it was i enjoyed listening to it just for you know a new perspective and like new sounds that i wasn't accustomed to um, with chameleon paint and shellfish toxin, so yeah. thank you. This was no. this was really fun. Yeah, no, it was great. And like I, like I said, um, you know, listening to Pinkerton was really was was really fun and interesting for me, just because I think it had probably been over ten years. I think since I listened to that record, <laughs> um, which was cool. Uh, would you would you be able to stick around for some uh, reader questions and discussion? Sure. Awesome. Okay, then I'm gonna spend a second here scrolling to them um sorry and again i put you on the spot yeah man you gotta stop doing that i'm only the producer uh lizzie i don't know how comfortable you're going to be ranking weezer albums oh gosh uh, but how, how about how about how about we limit it uh tanner hoisington is one of our listeners who is really interested in sort of like figuring out if there's a definitive way to rank them and Tanner has put them into a very comprehensive oh list. Oh my gosh. Uh, which, which I don't imagine any of us are going to be able well, to mirror. So I'll consider we, that. Can we hear it though? Because like I haven't sure. I'm just curious. I'm just curious Absolutely. what his, Tanner, his ranking Tanner is. Tanner Hoisington uh, says that the Golden Albums and Green, uh, 1994 to 2002, are Blue, Pinkerton, Green, and Maladroit. Okay. Uh, the Rough Years, ranging, ranging from 2005 to 2010, are Make Believe, Red, Ratitude, and Hurley. Uh, yes, Hurley was an album, just confirming. Uh, the Weezer Renaissance from 2014 to 17 being Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Mm-hmm, I can attest to mm-hmm. that one. That one's a solid album. Uh, yeah, White yeah. and Pacific Daydream. And then Solid But Hit and Miss with OK Human being among top four Weezer 2019 to 2021 being See, there Teal, are too Black. many albums. <laughs> I, uh, well, that's what Matt was saying. Like uh, when I When I saw something about Van Weezer earlier this week, it was like, uh, a return to form after their previous twelve, like dozen albums, and I thought, oh, they must be joking, like rounding up from ten. But no, <laughs> yeah, literally, no, it's twelve <laughs> albums between the one everybody liked and this. Uh, but I just like, I'm interested in the ones that you've listened to enough, Lizzie, to like rank the ones that you okay. know well enough. Where would you put? I mean, I'm assuming Pinkerton is up top. What's number two? Okay, hold on. I'm, I'm writing the. <laughs> I'm trying to write this down so I could see all of them at once. So yeah, make believe. Red album. I did listen to Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Um, I did. Li- Teal is just like an all covers album. <laughs> I don't even know if we, if we count I that. I checked. That is about as lazy as shit. I mean, that <laughs> album is just like, talk about phoning it in. I checked that out this week. Like, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, whatever. But like, that just <laughs> okay, felt so like we, we have an album on our contract. Okay, we got Red, we got Ratitude, we got Early. <laughs> Which you, you um, still have a copy of. I do. I guess that's last because I didn't even listen to it. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So Pinkerton first. That's number one. All right. Um, I'd have to say blue after that. It's just solid all the way through. I could listen to that all the time, every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess I'd have to say, um, oh gosh, this is controversial, uh, but <laughs> I'm going to put, no, okay. 
I'll get controversial later. This, I have, <laughs> I'd have to say green after. It's just like a solid pop. Like, yeah, yeah. Very, very simple, but like, um, you know, tight album where it's like, I, I could listen to that. It, it's, it doesn't, it's not too long. I could listen to it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the weaker parts, uh, I don't know if even this is even the weaker parts where it's like, the solos are basically the vocal melody too. It's like, sure. oh, that's a song. It's very formulaic, right? Um, but I don't know. I have to put that up there as like the first Weezer album I listened to. Um, Mine too. And then I would have to say, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Make Believe. <laughs> Um, I, that was the song, that was the album that grew on me where, um, after listening to it a few times, like, I really enjoyed each song on there. Um, and then I, and then Maladroit. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really solid, like, sort of like medley. Uh, yeah. you, you really <clears throat> get to see behind the scenes of Rivers' guitar chops. So I think that's a great album. Yeah, I, um, I don't really have a ranking, but I, the one I was just going to throw is I think Maladroit's kind of underrated. And like, yeah, I, 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 that, that's a gem agree. of their like catalog. <laughs> that if people haven't heard Maladroit, I thought that was a, a kind of an underrated one. Yeah. So now you have the rest of the stuff. <laughs> so everything else, the remaining like, I don't know, 13, 14 albums are just yeah. the pile for you, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, so the pile here, if I like look at each one, um, I could rank it by like, uh, which album has more songs that I like? <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess after Maladroit, there's some sort of tie between Everything Will Be Alright and, uh, Red Album. Um, Red Album has, uh, Pork and Beans, which is kind of a silly song. <laughs> um, and then, uh, oh, Red Album has this incredible song that's like their version of Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, the greatest man that ever lived. Uh, okay, that is just it's. Oh, I, I oh, that's the one that goes. I am the greatest man that yeah, ever lived. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember and so that song. It, it goes to through like I don't know four or five different genres in that one song, <laughs> and it's it just like reminiscent to me of um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. But that mm-hmm. said, those are like the two or th- there's only like two or three songs I like on that album. Um, so. That's after everything will be all right in the end is red. And then after red is, oh gosh, I, I, I'd have to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. fine. I don't blame you. I don't remember the rest of these and I have them written in front of me. Uh, I, so I will say it. my least favorite album was Ratitude. I don't what, even what know if I it heard it. so that. much worse? Yeah, I, I guess I don't remember what songs are on that one. They had a cat uh, on it, right? They had a dog like, busting out of the window right right okay uh, it's, oh god it had that song i can't stop partying <laughs> i don't remember oh man oh, what was it beverly was, hills on i remember beverly, beverly hills, hills was on uh make believe okay that was yeah. when i felt like that song was sort of just like okay it's over <laughs> for me like I, I, yeah <laughs> I, I mean like i i think that song is fine <laughs> sure 
Well, uh, it is yeah. your fourth <laughs> favorite Weezer album, as we <laughs> just No, no, so. no. It is my sixth favorite. <laughs> okay, let's be clear. I lost count then. <laughs> I, did, I did hear, you know how... No, like, I know you're we... right. No, you're right. It was my fourth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I am mistaken. You know when you like finish an album on Spotify and it just starts auto-playing stuff? Oof. Like, yeah. So I finished Pinkerton and I just was like on a walk. And it's played this new song. It's literally off uh, uh, OK Human, I think. And it's called Grapes of Wrath. And it's literally like, it's a song just about him listening to audiobooks on Audible. <laughs> and like, he, he literally <laughs> says... relate to that? He's the he, everyman. He literally says Audible, like, in the chorus. And I was like, are we, is this what we're writing songs about now? We're just like... Anything <laughs> He's getting just that like, Bezos money. I guess. Man, it must, yeah. I, and honestly, the way they are now, it wouldn't shock me if, like, they were doing, like, product placement in songs. <laughs> yeah. Like, the thing that's real. weird about, like, uh, everything will be all right in the end is there are, there are a lot of, um, like, songs about history, like, with Cleopatra and the British are coming, mm-hmm. where it's, like, way beyond Weezer history. <laughs> we're, like, in yeah. a different century now. <laughs> he broke out a world history book, and he's like, mm-hmm. this is it. This is my next album. <laughs> uh Cool. Well, uh, Mike Lynch wants to know, how did it come about that musician Jonathan Mann wrote a song about you? Do you remember Happy, <laughs> Happy Birthday, Lizzie Cuevas? Yeah, yeah. How, that was how did so that nice happen? of him. Um, Jonathan Mann is a really good friend of mine and my bandmate, uh, Matt Payne from The Glowing Stars. Um, uh, he's also, like, we all lived in the Bay Area, and um, Matt has done some work with Jonathan Mann um, on his albums. And I uh, I helped with some albums uh, or some guitar on his like 100 song a day album. And we did like a live show together for that release. Nice. Um, and uh, what else? We, we, we played some shows together too where um, – Either we opened for him or, or something like that. This was like 2011 or 10. Um, it was a long time ago. But uh, around my birthday, uh, he wrote a song, Happy Birthday, Lizzie Cuevas, um, which was my name before I got married. Um, and uh, it's just all about how I like Halo and Master Chief, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Worst things to be known for. Oh yeah, God. true. Uh, I think there's a, a YouTube video of it there somewhere. It is. But um, like at the end, uh, like he played it live for me. And then at the end of the song, he like played the ma- the Halo 2 theme oh, on the man. electric guitar. And it was just it was just hilarious. He's a great guy. He's awesome. Sounds like it. Uh, the guy was putting together hundreds of songs and he took time just to put one together for you. Wonderful. I know. <laughs> Uh, Min Max, I'm sorry, Ben Hansen writes in questions sometimes and doesn't change the name, so it looks like Min Max is asking questions. Mr. Min Max. This this guy, this guy, find us on patreon.com slash Min Max with two N's, by the way, everybody. Uh, which song has the better- I thought that was his question. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like Jason Plug. Plugging it, yeah. (laughs) Uh, which song has the better hook? I would understand if you guys don't have both of these hooks right in your mind, so I can play them if need be, but which song has the better hook? George Harrison's What Is Life, or- Abba's Gimme 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 a Man After Ooh. Midnight. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I know that okay. this does, this seems like a one-sided fight frankly, uh, but Okay, can you play the George Harrison one though cuz I've I've been on a Abba listening kick lately, so I need some refreshing. <laughs> yeah. I'm and I'm the opposite I need. <laughs> Abba. Hmm. Do you recognize this at all? I do. 
But I have to say ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah. Matt, Matt, do you need Gimme, Gimme, Gimme a Man? Well, I guess I Let's probably wouldn't change it. my pick. Because, yeah, let's hear it, though. Let's hear it. Hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. I, that I is told the most like, Matt Helgeson shit is that you don't yeah. remember Gimme, Gimme, Gimme a Man After Midnight. One of the hookiest songs ever, but you're like, oh, yeah. George Harrison's What Is Life off of his 1972 <laughs> album, whatever. No, no. That's like the big George Harrison record, man. It All is. It is. Um, okay, no, I know this one now. It's like, I would just say this isn't one of my favorite ABBA songs. Like, if you oh, were yeah. going to talk about like Fernando or yeah. like. Dancing Queen, or you know, some other ones. Uh, oh, oh knowing me, knowing me, knowing you. Oh yeah, yeah, uh-huh. favorite one. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Um, so I guess I'll. I think I'm gonna say because the question was catchy. I'm gonna say ABBA, but I will say yeah. like that's one of my favorite George Harrison songs, and like it's probably not mm. one of my favorite ABBA. Yeah, songs. I, I felt like for the the specific question of which had the better hook. Better hook is important. Yeah. Yeah. That's got that Eurovision kind of vibe, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, <laughs> like the combination of the vocal melody and the rhythm and the slap bass and the like synth lead, mm-hmm. you can't beat that. I, frankly, love George Harrison, the only good Beatle, but there are, <laughs> I mean, you, you you can't beat that. Uh, John Jensen asks, "Do your ever, musical talents ever make it difficult to listen to things that maybe aren't the best?" John is a uh, producer, sound engineer. I'm sorry, am- amateur sound engineer, and when a mix of something live or recorded is really bad it completely breaks the song for john so mm. do you ever find that happening mm. to you either technically or like musically that you just can't Wait, listen the question to the song because is if you if like listening to other stuff mm-hmm. um, if you're listening to somebody else's up. music yeah and like your own mm. like if i'm listening to an album that has really <laughs> shitty mm-hmm. bass and i don't really <laughs> like it maybe that ruins the song for me Anything um, like i mean that? i'm not that good so no like Wait, sorry. it doesn't <laughs> Just so I understand completely, <laughs> does it, does the mix of that particular like I, I guess I was confused as if this uh, the mix ru- ruins that song that you're listening to or ruins when you're arranging songs. Oh, when you're listening to other people's songs mm-hmm. because yeah. you know how to put together a song, does anything about uh, like how it's put together ruin it for you? Uh, I guess I'm in the same boat as Matt, where it's like I don't know, if I'm, <laughs> I don't know uh, if I'm even doing anything right, really. Um, so I guess there there have been times where I've heard songs like "Ooh, this is not mixed very well," but mm. I think overall, if I listen to the song uh, as its own message and like the whole package of what the artist is trying to convey, sometimes I it's I can look that. Like, I can overlook that where it's like, wow, this is, I mean, I mean, like things with like, for example, one of my favorite artists of all time is like Daniel Johnston. And like, there's, yeah, it's not like, you know, though his, uh, hello, hi, how are you is that's, you know, uh, that's just recorded the way that is. And like, mm-hmm. it's still so powerful. Yeah, totally. Or like, I love one of my favorite bands, Guided by Voices, and like they recorded yeah. all on like cassette, and like the great albums really are all hissy and aren't recorded like mm-hmm. correctly, actually, you know. But sometimes it like puts me off a little bit. It depends on uh, the full arrangement, but like if I hear a song that's too produced, it doesn't 
really sit well with me. Mm-hmm. But it really depends on uh, the song and the genre, I guess. Totally. All right. Well, another question just for Lizzie. Um, it's kind of a fun question, maybe a little hard to answer, though. Tom Blackburn asks, how would you handle PR for a band named Tropical Fuckstorm if it were a video <laughs> game? How would you oh, market that to gamers? Game. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I guess... Um, I guess uh, maybe we just put an asterisk on the U. Yeah, is it that easy? Is um, it that easy to like get the right audiences just with that well, simple I mean, change? I guess the thing that I would prepare for too is like you know people are going to want to know why it's named that. So mm. uh, that's where I would work with the developer to see like okay, what's the story behind triple. Tropical Fuckstorm, what's its significance? <laughs> I, I, I wanted to see what the game that would be called Tropical Fuckstorm yeah. is actually plays um, like. Like, what's the gameplay? Uh, and then I'd have to come up with a set of, like, questions that I anticipate press to, to ask and, and maybe, like, uh, anticipate um, if someone might be offended by this name, how do we handle that? <laughs> so that's, that all goes into games PR. Yeah, wow. Do you mm-hmm. think, are there, are there like, so, groups uh, in your- any um, sympathy you could give to Jeff Quirk? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he's going to have something in for himself uh, next Monday. He's going <laughs> to find this really weirdly titled game come across his desk. Um, I, guess, I guess I'm curious, building off that question, like, are there groups who are still... I mean, when I was a kid, I remember hearing about Jack Thompson and all sorts of groups pushing against different you know, um, content and labels uh, in games. Is there are there still groups that like act, advocate directly for uh you know the I guess blocking and censorship and questioning and you know slowness to market of games that have questionable content in them and is that something that you've ever had to work around? Wait, sorry, what? Can you repeat the question? <laughs> Do you ever have to like light foot around those issues uh for any games you've ever? Pre- I mean, you probably can't um, mention the names themselves, but yeah, let me let me think about that. Uh, do you mean like content? within the game in general or like yeah. anything that might be flagged yeah. as like something sensitive. Right. Um, just in, in showing it to the right people, you know? Yeah, that's definitely happened. Uh, you know, w- in those situations when you're working on a game, a lot of it is just, uh, there's just so much prep work that happens behind the scenes that I feel like people sort of overlook and what kind of makes PR a little bit mysterious or hard to understand right away. Um, where it's like, it's not just an announcement or a press release. It's like everything, uh, we try to do as much as we can to prepare for like how the public will take a certain announcement. Um, and just seeing like, you know, we're always thinking about what the worst case scenario is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as like a PR consultant working with different clients, so like I'm not in house or anything, so I don't have to, work with the same like i'm not part of a company other than my own Mm -hmm. uh so i'm if i'm getting fired it's from myself (laughs) but um yeah uh i still haven't gotten promoted but we'll talk about that later (laughs) um good luck yeah that's where you just you know try to come up with the questions ahead of time where it's like okay let's use tropical fuckstorm as an example like with this game uh i could see that people might ask like, why is it called that? Why not go somewhere else? Do you think that is derogatory? Like, does, is that offensive to any certain groups? And then that's where I'd, mm. you know, work with the developer to figure out what um, what their reasoning is behind it and 
try to, um, I guess, if that's a relevant part of the story, make sure it's written in a way that cannot be taken out of context or that's like absolutely clear to people. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot of messaging. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, um, you know, and, and sometimes that happens with games where it's like they might have um, sensitive content, but important content content where it's like, hey, we want to, you know, um, really convey like how important, you know, it is to show like this slice of life that might be difficult for some people or like might uh, trigger some people. And, mm-hmm. and that's where we just make sure we have the right information available. So when that question does come up, um, that we have the answers for it. <laughs> right. All, uh, all in the job description. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jason Wojnar, not Jason Daphnis this time, uh, wants to know what are some of the most ridiculous lyrics you have ever misinterpreted? Um, just like some examples. Jason <laughs> says, you got so many, uh, of the lyrics to back in the USSR wrong, like on the way the paperback was on my knee and not paper bag. Uh, Jojo's always on my mind instead of Georgia's always on my mind. That's a really funny one to think about. Uh, and let me heal your bell like it's ringing out and not let me hear your balalaikas ringing out. Uh, so are there any of those misinterpretations, mishearings uh, that you, um, that you like, famously remember? I mean, the one that sticks out the most, which I feel like has been made fun of before, is that Fallout voice song. Um, which, which one with the nonsense lyrics? <laughs> We're going downtown in a Lulilura. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We're going downtown in a Lulilura. Sugar, we're going down swinging. I got a, another bag in the bullet. Something, something. Cocking. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> might, might as well be. Might as well be. They are uh, touring with Weezer, right? So I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. We can watch, watch uh, lip read. Um, Matt, any, <laughs> any fun... Um, I think uh, when I was a little little kid, and this is I think was a common one, but like my parents like Creedence Clearwater a lot, and um, the Bad Moon Rising, like there's a ba- bathroom on the right, and as opposed to there's a, ba- a Bad Moon on the Rise. But that's so my mom always would just I think I said that, and then it was just it was just like a family joke she would just bring up. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's great. When I was like I was just like a little you know like five years old or something. Yeah, that must have been fun on car trips. Oh, I do. Uh, uh, that speaking of. I guess if I we go, I go real back in history, <laughs> um, I have I remember uh, I have this like cassette tape. I used to have one of those. Um, I guess it was a Fisher Price uh, uh, tape recorder that had like a microphone. Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I would always like record stuff on there as a kid, and there was like one time I recorded myself singing uh you are my sunshine (laughs) and uh in the way i was singing it was you make me happy when skies are grape (laughs) (laughs) i guess that is uh some that's what i thought the words were that's like a way more like psychedelic psychedelic way of singing it yeah it's very beautiful rain yeah (laughs) Uh, I had a quick question. You kind of touched on your work with Asian Man Records and some others before, but uh, it, your work with a record label has it received me a record label. Uh, has it had an impact on your taste in music or how you found new music? Um, or yeah, it, like, actually, pick- no, it it has absolutely because um, the the bands that I've been working with on Asian Man Records, uh, Grumster and the Moore Family Band, uh, they're all still relatively new. I've, 
Grumster already put out a record um, with Asian Man Records called Underwhelmed. Um, <laughs> and I got to help them out with a seven inch th- that they released called Mindless. Um, really awesome. I I never heard their music before I started working with Asian Man, and they're they're really cool. Uh, it's just like um, like old Green Day uh, with a little bit more of a modern flair. But I, I I'll send you links. <laughs> they're really good. Yeah, uh, I really like them a lot. They're um, working on their second album now, so I'm really excited to help them with that. Um, they're from Oakland, California. And then uh, the Moore Family Band, that was super exciting to work uh, work on because they were completely new. They had not ever put an album out before. And uh, it's three siblings. Um, and they all moved back together to their parents' house during the pandemic um, and just started making music together. And their album Whoa. is kind of... They, they release a full length and it's very like... Um, Weezery. <laughs> the, okay. the the guitarist is really uh really good, and like there's a lot of good solos, and just like the guitar tone is very reminiscent of Weezer. Um, and they they had some cool uh features on their album where like they did a song with Jeff Rosenstock and um a song with Dan Pothas from MU three 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 hundred thirty. Um, and so. They're doing. They're they're also working on a new album, but it's really cool to see, you know, help a band from the ground up, yeah, and like see them go from like zero listeners on Spotify to thirty three thousand. <laughs> so, well, that's got to be rewarding, um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's super cool. I, I really like working with them. Awesome. Uh, well, but that's I'm taking the... notes for my own band. <laughs> <laughs> Not selfishly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not in a selfish way. Uh, in a <laughs> in a uh, philanthropic way, by your own man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to thank White Mex, uh, Winter Mute Winds, and everybody else in the Discord who uh, left questions about Weezer. Oh. Uh, I hope that we addressed some of them. Um, I forgot my Weezer story though. Oh yeah, oh, tell geez. us. Yeah, I'll tell I'll tell the Weezer story, and this I think <clears throat> may answer some of your questions. A lot of the questions <laughs> were sort of about like perhaps the decline of Weezer artistically mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. the years. Um, so I was an intern at Game Informer and one of the editors, and he left, I believe before I, I was ever got hired as like an actual editor at GI, um, John Storm, he, he ended up going to like a bass fishing, fishing magazine. He got big in like the world of fishing, but anyway, he was from Buffalo and Pat Wilson from Weezer is also from Buffalo. And there was also a group of, uh, I think like Buffalo expats that John kind of knew and Pat knew. They'd kind of grown up together. And I, I, I definitely got the sense that, like, when you're from Buffalo, like, you're from Buffalo for life. You know what I mean? Like, no matter how big of a rock star you get to be. So his friends were having a, a – this was when they were just coming back. So, like, the Green album was just out. Like, the Hash Pipe video was out. And they were playing at the fir- First Avenue main room. It was really cool. Like, he was sweet. Like, he got everybody – they were at, at the barbecue on the list for the show. So, like, I was living it up. I'm at, like, you know – intern i'm gonna go hang out with like the guy from weezer at a barbecue and then go to the show for free so i was like oh my god this is great um and he was a really sweet dude and i uh i started talking to him and like i guess i always felt like when you meet somebody famous like you should never talk about like what they do you know what i mean you should talk about something else so i i I knew they were like metal guys and i was like big into like ronnie james dio at the time Mm -hmm. and so he he just loved dio and we were just kicking it about dio then finally i was like you know um, 
I was like, hey, but yeah, I mean, uh, like, New Elm's cool, and like, it must be fun for you guys to kind of like be back, and it's exciting and everything. And he's like, and he like dead stopped. He looked at me, he's <gasps> like, listen, man, I just really do this for the money at this point. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> and so this is like the green oh. album. He was he was like just doing it for the money, by the green album. So like, imagine like what this is now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he didn't. I don't think he meant it in a bad way, but it was. But he was just more like, then he, he expounded, he's just like, listen, man, I don't, you know, I don't want to get a job and like, I like playing drums, <laughs> you know? And like, I was like, well, you know, hey, I, that's a convincing argument. If I could just I do. I respect that. Yeah. 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 But it was just like a really funny moment to me. I always remember he kind of looked at me like I was sort of like naive or something. And like, I'm, and I'm sure that's like, that's probably true for like a ton of dudes and bands that have sure. been around. Like, you know, do you think the guys in like yeah. The Cure are still like super into being The Cure? Or whatever these bands have been around I forever. Know. I, you know? I, I before the pandemic, I was thinking about going to see Tears for Fears live. <laughs> oh damn! Yeah, they were they were touring uh, in Europe like in 2019, I believe. And my I, my sister lives in Amsterdam, so I was like, oh, what if I like visit my sister and then also watch Tears for Fears? <laughs> nice, yeah, classic songs from the yeah. big chair. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I don't want to paint him in a bad light because he was like super down to earth and like he just was like hanging out like a normal dude and talking yeah, no, to everybody. I met him once um, too, and he was he was just super nice. Yeah, like absolutely, like you wouldn't even know he was in a band, and like like really cool. But I just I always remember that answer because it just like cracks me up thinking about it because how long ago that was. <laughs> wow. So anyway, well, that's my Weezer story. Yeah, I hope that gives some context to again White Max Wintermute wins and all the folks in the Discord who are asking about uh, general opinions about the decline of Weezer. I hope yeah. we yeah. sort of attacked the the issue from around with. And, none and of I'm us no as, Weezer historian. I feel like if I go I down that say, path, I would uh, be sad. So <laughs> I, I I like what I like. <laughs> yeah, but we definitely. do now have the definitive, long lasting, and universal ranking of Weezer albums from Lizzie oh, Killian. No. So reference yeah. that; it'll be in the show. Don't notes. at me. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Do not add. Uh, as we go out, uh, we're playing a song from um, uh, Hopalong. It is a band that Drew Mascarelli, a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash minmax. That's one more plug for you. It's called Sister Cities. Do either of you know this group? Uh, Hopalong, they're from Philadelphia, I believe. I've heard them and they're pretty cool. They're like indie kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. heard of them, but I haven't heard their music. So excited. I, I love this group. I've, I'm tempted to, um, to go to Chicago just to see them at the whatever festival is coming there this fall. But anyway, uh, we're going to play them as we go out, uh, but I'll let Matt set us up for the outro. Yeah. Um, well, number one, we thank everyone that uh, supports and listens. If you want to support uh, MinMax on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash M-I-N-N-M-A-X. Uh, and, you know, you can join the the uh, Crossfade uh, Discord and, you know, submit questions. And there's a lot of just cool music discussion and recommendations that people people do on that Discord. Um, Lizzie, thanks so much for being on the show. It was a blast, and we really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, and uh, so yeah, let's let's head it out to uh, yeah, Hop Along. And- Hanson was like, "Oh, you <laughs> should get on this music podcast," and uh, I, so I knew that this existed. And then when I was listening to it, I was like, "Oh, this is a really like I really like the format of this. Just like being able to dive into two albums and like you know listen to something new for me at least." Yeah, yeah, we, we we love it too. Yeah, so glad you had a great time. Yeah, and Hanson's yeah. very persuasive. Once he asks you to do something, <laughs> he'll just he'll just keep keep going. So that's what's good about Ben. All right, well, thanks everybody, and uh, we'll we'll see you in a couple weeks. Lizzie, thanks so much again, and uh, maybe we'll have you back sometime down the road. That'd be great. Awesome.